It's a great day for America, everybody. This is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Happy 2015 to one and all. Thank you very much for listening. I'm so happy that you are checking out the show, possibly for the first time. And uh, I'm happy to be back, happy to be doing the show again. It's been three months since I've done a podcast of any sort, almost four, since I recorded my last run of shows on the only podcast that matters. And uh, we'll get back to that in a second. But uh, I'm excited to be starting this next wave of my own show, which is now going to be the sole podcast that I'm doing. And uh, next week, it, it changes gears drastically. And becomes a live show in as much as will be recorded live at Skid Row Studios, which is in downtown Los Angeles. I did a full kind of release for my website. You can go to chrisabalo.com and check out, let's say, the official statement. Let's call it that. Let's make this official. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I have that um, nervous anticipation, nervous excitement about it because I've always done podcasting with the safety net of editing with the exception of one episode of this show from last year, I've always gone over and edited everything and made sure it was the best possible thing. Frankly, I'm relieved to not have to do that anymore. I don't need to sit and edit anything and go over anything. I could just do the show, and that'll be that. But uh, you know what? Ultimately, it's going to be a new challenge to see if I can do just a straight hour straight through with some other people, which will be fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, people keep asking me, there seems to be the sense of, does the internet need another chat show? And although it is a chat show, it's it's kind of, it has a bit of a different spin because I'm not a comedian and uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not doing it for that sake. I'm not trying to uh, get gigs. I mean, there, there's certainly voice actors who have podcasts. I, I guess I, I can possibly be lumped in with a certain group as far as, well, why is it you do a podcast? But it's just fun for me. And I'm really glad I took these last few months to reassess why it is I want to do a show because with the the only podcast that matters coming to an end as of uh, just the other week, knowing that that was happening, I wanted to step back and really think about what it is I wanted to do with this show because as I said in the uh, last episode I put up back in May, I wanted to really think about what direction I wanted to take this show in, what I wanted to do with it, and uh, I'm certainly happy with the episodes that have come before, the 30 that have come before this one. It was a big challenge for me to do episodes on my own, and it was fun talking one-on-one with friends and with different people every week. But I knew I wanted to take the show to the next level in one way or another, and I was able to take the last few months to do that and to make the only podcast that matters my my sole focus, especially with it coming to an end, uh, even though there was only really one burst of episodes <laughs> that I record. I record all my final episodes in September and uh, those were doled out over the last couple months. It's kind of weird to close the door on not just a year which flew by. I can't believe 2014's over because it more so than other years it feels like it just began, but it's difficult to say goodbye to the longest running creative endeavor I've ever been a part of. And uh it's the right time. All the other guys have stuff going on and I'm 3000 miles away from them, so it stands to reason that it's a little bit harder to do shows than it used to be, but we did 200 episodes, and I'm so incredibly proud of that. I'm so proud of the other guys for for doing so much since I've been gone. I mean, for the, the third and fourth year of the show, I was living here in California while they were still back in New Jersey, and they still kept at it. It wasn't dependent on me, and I'm very, very happy 
with what they did. And I'm just really proud of what we've done together with everybody who came in and sat in on the show and uh, to, to the guys who came in, to Corey and Jimmy and Ron who came in to be a part of the show and Dan who took a little bit of a, had, had to be pushed a little bit into doing the show but would still sit in and do the show with us. I'm so happy and uh, so proud of everybody and, and of the work we've done together. And uh, it's not necessarily the end forever, but right now it seems like it's a, it's a good time to put a bow on it. 200 episodes is, is a big deal. And hey, go check out The Only Podcast That Matters. Uh, we'll be back on SoundCloud soon. Uh, it's happening this month at all of our uh, catalog episodes, all 200 episodes, as well as the uh, three best of compilations with the new best of year four which is now available as well which is hysterical not just because i put it together or because i'm a part of it regardless everything will be coming to soundcloud as well as you can find the show on stitcher and beyond pod and itunes and all your other all other podcast resources pretty much all of them uh, as you will well this show soon i will keep you posted on that please keep checking over at chrisabalo.com as well i've been writing blogs pretty steadily since i haven't been doing the show i've been pouring my thoughts into those on practically a weekly basis over the last few months uh the blogs will probably slow down because now i have a show to put my thoughts out in every week now that the show is going to be weekly so that uh, that will probably slow down but i will still be posting stuff on a somewhat regular basis and i also did a kind of a a love letter to the only podcast that matters to sum up that experience so you can read that as well on chrisabalo.com but to get back with what I started saying before, does the internet need another chat show? The internet's crowded. Nobody doubts that. But I really feel like there isn't such a thing as a finite audience. I really believe there is a place for everybody. That If you put something out there, that people will check it out. People will tune in. The people who are interested will find it. I honestly and truly believe that. So I don't believe it's it's a matter of... Well, you got all these other shows, and there are, I forget, between 250,000 and 300,000 podcasts on iTunes, something like that. And some people might say, why bother? Or people have asked me, well, why do you keep doing it? Because you're not making any money doing it. I mean, we never made a dime off of the only podcast that matters, but it was always fun. And it's still a fun medium. It's something I enjoy, and it's something that I'm happy to be doing now on a weekly basis, and that thankfully other people have taken interest in being a part of. So... This show will continue to evolve and taking it to the next level, doing it in a professional studio and frankly, getting back to the editing thing, like I said before, uh, I'm happy to not have to do any of the tech work. Other people who I'm going to be paying are going to do that for me, so I don't need to worry about doing it anymore. So that's quite a relief. I've never aspired to a broadcasting career. This is something that came about as a result of just doing a show with my friends and having a few laughs on a weekly basis and putting it out there and getting good feedback and continuing to do it. And as much as I'm nervous about doing it about this next stage, there isn't anybody, myself included, who is going to keep me from doing it and from challenging myself. Speaking of shows ending, in this episode, we are going to talk about the great Craig Ferguson, who has finished his run, his decade-long run, as host of The Late Late Show. I'm chatting with my sister, which I was very excited to do, uh, at least on mic. I see her all the time, but to actually do a show with her... After so many years of, of doing shows, it's great to actually get her involved and to sit down and chat with her. But she's been following Craig Ferguson for the last five years or so as far as tuning into the show and then following his stand-up. And she's read both his books. 
And uh, she she puts the fan in fanatic. She she loves him. I mean, I love him too. So it was great to sit down and talk with her about uh, the final episode, which we were lucky enough to attend. The bidding adieu to the late late show event we went to at the Paley Center in Beverly Hills during his last week of shows. And uh, we're we're just big fans, and we wanted to sit down and talk about what the show has meant to us because it has meant a lot. And Craig's been influential to me. As far as being a performer and as far as being authentic, that's something that's very, very important to me because I'm very much myself on this show. I'm very much myself on the only podcast that matters. And uh, I I believe that's so important. I believe being authentic and, and being true to yourself is important. And Craig made The Late Late Show truly his own show. And it's something that was uniquely his, aside from the fact that not just a late night show, just as a show, as an hour of television, five days a week. He made it his own, and that's something I think everybody hopes to do, but a lot of times they end up imitating what has come before them or what other people are doing. And uh, I just admire Craig so much, and he's incredibly nice. The, the few times I've gotten to talk to him, he's been so cool, and uh, I'm just I'm, I'm thrilled that he's consciously taking the next step into his career, and I'm looking forward to whatever he's doing next. So let's get down to it, though. Chances are you want to hear about the Craig Ferguson experience and uh hopefully you're a fan as well so enjoy my first on-air chat with my sister carol i guess my parents need to come on the show next well it's finally happened at long last here to make her internet debut is my sister and craig ferguson fan carol say hello hello She's nervous, everybody, so please take heart if you think she's being a little bit quiet in the beginning because she doesn't have that that ham gene that I have. She's not looking to uh, get everyone's attention, make everyone laugh, and uh, all that other stuff that I do, so it's okay. She's, she's not quite the extrovert that I am, but we're talking about one of her favorite subjects today, and certainly one of mine, one of my heroes, Mr. Craig Ferguson, who just wrapped up his tenure as host of The Late Late Show during what's easily that show's peak. And uh, we were lucky enough to be at the Paley Center event in Beverly Hills where they bid adieu, as they called it, to Craig and the Late Late Show uh, under his masterful leadership. And we also attended the taping of the last episode uh, the day before it was broadcast. But we're going to go back a little bit and talk about how and uh, why we became so interested in the band. So you were more drawn to him. Well, I should say you were drawn to him earlier than I was. So how is it you started actually developing an interest? Or what was your introduction, whether it made an impact right out of the gate or not, which I, I don't think it did, but how is it you started watching the show or taking up an interest in this person? Uh, sadly, I didn't watch from the beginning. I really couldn't say when I watched a full first episode I don't even remember being aware of him being selected initially. Um, The earliest shows I probably saw were 2006. Distinct early episodes I remember were Twisted Sister on a close to Christmas episode. Well, that'll stand out for anybody. Anybody just flipping channels and be like, what the hell is this? I have a distinct memory of seeing that segment. I may have seen more than just that part of that show. Did he rock out with them? No, he did not. That's a missed opportunity. Um, And then another early episode I remember was Tom Kenny, 
uh, and Michael Rappaport were the guests, and Tom Kenny performed as SpongeBob. Performed uh, what? A song? I think he sang "Where's Gary." It was, <laughs> I believe, it was to coincide with the release of um, one of the SpongeBob musical compilations. Yeah, they have like four or five CDs, and so. I believe that was December two thousand. The, the, both those shows actually might have been two thousand six, but it was just a. It was just random? Like, but, were you just flipping channels and you stopped on it? Or you're watching Letterman and you just didn't change the channel? No, I don't remember specifically the the Tom Kenny episode. I was actually at somebody else's house. And I was watching television. And I don't know if I had been watching Letterman and they just kept the TV and on. And they nodded off and you were just decided you weren't going to change the channel. Like, No, on. no, no. I was by myself. Oh. Um, well, that's weird. And then other earlier ones were uh, William Shatner and Betty White. Because first of all, it's Betty White. Well, and, sure, and it's um, William Shatner. That's true too. <laughs> so you but can't, you can't the, really go wrong. But this was during his his period on Boston Legal, which I was a fan of. And so, anytime any of those cast members had a talk show appearance, I tuned in. So, some of my early episodes, like I said, I don't know if I saw any of 2005. I think anything I saw of his early on was 2006. So there wasn't a specific turn, like how people say, like you know, that I, I tried this one. Cabernet, and that's what got me into wine. There wasn't a specific episode the, of the, or seeing the, a guest well, there was on a Craig. time. There was a time period. Anytime I saw him, I always found him hilarious, and I thought he was extremely likable. There was just something about him that you know he just seemed very real, and and I don't remember intentionally putting CBS on, or if it was just that it was somebody on Letterman I had watched, and then kind of you know used him as a lead-in, so to speak. I can think of a handful. I remember a particular one with Tom Selleck as well that I think might have been from 2008 or 9. There's certain ones that stand out prior to my watching nightly. Tom Selleck, I want to say it was 2000. Yeah, definitely 2008 or 9. And they got into a discussion about kilts and how Tom had a grove, I guess, so to speak, where he grew avocados. And that, you know, turned into the inevitable. Avocados aren't from Scotland. <laughs> That makes no sense. Well, no, Tom. Right. Grows them. I know. But what does that have to do with kilts? <laughs> no, that's just two topics they touched on. Oh, okay. Kilts and, and avocados? This, uh, yeah. Uh, interesting. Well, you know, if you like. Well. <laughs> kilts could... Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Anyway, no. Insert the, testicle the, joke the, here. The turning point, I went to the show, went to a taping for the first time. Paid audience gig? Late. No, it wasn't actually. Well, it's L.A., I'm just asking. <laughs> no, but there was, um, that was still relatively early days, I suppose, because I remember somebody to the left of me uh, when we were waiting to go upstairs, there was a girl that had paperwork that she was filling out, and it asked oh. what day you attended and, you know, information Wait, 2008? Like Nine. Nine, okay. Did yeah. you go to see a specific guest? Yes. My first show was, uh, I went to see James Spader. He had been on in July of 2009 but i found out relatively last minute and of course the summer it's more difficult to get tickets because it's peak tourist season and school is out and people are taking summer vacations and such so i found out kind of last minute put in for was on the waiting list and unfortunately didn't get in so then when was he on then later in the year he he was on again in september to promote his Broadway show. He was in a play in uh, winter or late fall, I should say, of 2009. So I went to see that. That was my first uh, show 
and I said primarily went for James. I mean, I liked Craig enough to go and definitely enjoyed it. And he had just recently gotten his snake tattoo, so that was the subject of the cold open on that particular show. Um, this was pre Jeff, so it was all him. That was my f- yeah my my first show. His autobiography was released pri- right prior to that, actually. I want to say a week before. Um, and I purchased it, I think, three weeks after it was on sale. Wait, so you'd been to see the show and then? I'd, I'd been to see the show once, and yes. And then you bought, okay. Because I didn't know where that fell into the, the chronology. I didn't know whether you'd bought the book just from having seen it and you, he piqued your curiosity enough. I happen to be in Barnes Noble and they have, of course, the new releases, or I think that's what they're categorized, even if they're print uh, items, uh, near the front of the store. And I walked past, and I don't think I was aware that he had had a book come out. <laughs> but it's and, eye-catching seeing a man in a kilt well, with, with American colors, exactly. <laughs> American flag colors, the red, white, and blue. It was like, mm. and Of course, I did know who he was, so it wasn't that strange, uh, you know, oh, who's that? Um, but I picked it up. And I probably put it just, back down. you know, looked at the jacket or such, and I put it back on the shelf. And oh, then I did. went back to another <laughs> section to, to look. I don't remember if I was looking for anything specific. I think I picked up one or two other items while I was there. And in heading to the back to the front of the store, I returned to it and I said, I'm going to get this. Because, again, I hadn't watched him religiously at the time, but I knew... A little bit about his background, very little, nowhere near what I know now, of course, and um, liked him enough that I was interested in reading his story. So I bought the book. Um, I think I read maybe 10 pages the first night I had it and was just immediately taken by it. Just the, the analogy that he made in the beginning about uh, the U.S. being like baseball and just the writing and... and um, he did it on his own too, because he didn't use a. Usually, it's it's not written Craig Ferguson with written, yeah, with so and so, which or really as means told to. Yes. you know, it's nothing like it's, that. It was dictated to somebody else. He um, actually did write the book without known help. I'm sure as an editor, but every book has that. I so that was really that's mm-hmm. that was jumping in the deep end. Then that was when it was like, well, there's no going back from here. No, but the the funny thing was, it wasn't until that was that was mid October 2009. It wasn't until April 2010 that I was a nightly viewer. I had read, I don't remember how much I had read, I more than a few chapters in. It was a while before I went back to it, not, absolutely not out of boredom or any such uh, That's right, he, he's not going to hear this. But. <laughs> it's like, sorry, Craig, I really, really no. liked your story in your book. And it's I, very I, gripping, <laughs> very entertaining, but. Well, Listen, for, for, I was distracted. It was a bad time for me, and I just couldn't get back to it. And then one day, no, I was, no. <laughs> yeah, I was cleaning my bookcase, and I found your book, and I dove back in. But uh, the second show I went to was mid-April 2010. Um, our parents had come to visit me. Yeah, and mom's first time in California. She, Dad had only been here once when I was the first time I lived out here. And they wanted to, they wanted to do. Fun things they want to do things you can only do in California like go see shows. So you went to the Tonight Show. You went and saw Craig Bonnie Hunt had a talk show on at the time. Yes. Uh, what else? And Craig, you... Those were the three shows. Craig was actually the first. I believe the, the they got some here and the, the following day was when we went to his show. 
And that, and that was only your second time. Yes, I had wow. been one time prior to that. Unfortunately, Robin Williams had been on the previous week, so we missed him. That would have been incredible to see oh, with them. And, Especially with them. Forget it. Um, so I forget there was, I think it was, because um, off the top of my head, I remember who was on during that week. It was uh, Willie Nelson was on, Kirstie Alley was on. The show we ultimately went to was um, Andy McDowell and Dario Franchitti, I believe is how he says his name, the uh, race car driver. And then Sade was the musical performance that was recording for the following night's show. Because this was the old stage, and the way it worked on the old stage was he, he wasn't out there when the musical guest... Well, in early shows you do, you see the desk off to the side, and he introduces them, and he's there. But there was a point where he did the introduction, and there was sort of a dissolve, and it was to the band or the singer or whomever was performing. Yeah, it was, um, a, it was a really small room, so they could only have several. one act on stage at a time, whether it was Craig right. and the guest... Or a band, basically <laughs> or a musical performer. I mean, ju- just for people who hadn't been or hadn't been to a taping on that stage, um, it was small. It's hard for me to remember now the difference in perspective from seeing on on the television screen and live because it's been several years and I was there quite a few times uh, on the old stage, so I can't really remember what it, you know, walking in there and saying, wow, this is really tiny, or, oh, it looks bigger on TV. I really don't remember what my immediate thought was. But, but I'll answer the question of, for all the people who are wondering, like, why is his desk to the side of is, Sade? Where the hell? Exactly. Basically, the, the, I don't know about on the, the this previous stage now, but the original stage, the desk and the guest chairs were on a platform that was on rollers. And so... When you'd come in, when they were seating the audience, if it was a matter of them recording um, a comedian or a musical act, the desk was to the right of the stage facing the entryway where he and the guests came out. That was really it then. April 2010 was pretty much when you started frequently watching? Because there were, as his show or even the other handful of, of tapings I've gone to, um, and I guess that's kind of typical of anybody. You want to see everything that you were present for. So even if it's not used on that particular day's show or it's not going to be all in one shot, you still want to see it. Th- this also, uh, mid-April 2010, that w- uh, 2010 was the year that he said, I'm going to learn Spanish this year because I live here. And he started the, I don't know if you'd call it a segment, but it was the Spanish word of the day. Yeah, it's a segment. And it's a bit. this was a bit. Okay, that might yeah, be a better nightly word bit. for it. Um, this was kind of actually the end of that because I remember it did not go on much longer past this. But they had done one of those, which actually ultimately was not used in that night's show, and it never was. And I can't remember what the word was. It was something. I hope not. It was four and a half years ago. I, I, it was something memorable, though. Obviously not. Because I don't <laughs> well, remember. Well, yeah, it's but, not. They're, they're uh, not going to pick casa house. No, they're going to. No, yeah, they need to go for something um, a little more exotic sounding than that, or something he can have fun with by calling back to it. But whichever one they used that day, they didn't ever end up using. But again, because I watched the following night's show because Sade's performance aired the following night, and there were still little bits and pieces that we'd been present for. 
that hadn't aired. So I was watching on a nightly basis, not knowing when they were necessarily going to be used. And that was sort of what hooked me because it just I wouldn't I don't know if I would say it became a habit or it was just. You were just sucked you know, in. Th- there was no going back, I guess, is, is, is the way to put it. <laughs> Not like any other late but night the, show. <laughs> but, but the other uh, memorable thing about that second show that I went to is occasionally, and every show, I've been to the Tonight, I had been to Leno's uh, Tonight Show several times, and occasionally they have to do an additional bit that's not necessarily for use on their show. It might be a network thing or something else. Um, and they're going to do it while they're there with the cameras and not necessarily with the audience. Cause I don't think everything is something that needs an audience response necessarily. But um, there is a I don't know if you call I don't know. I wouldn't really categorize it as an attraction. But at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, there's a um, CBS. I don't I should have looked up to see what the actual name is, but you can go and it's almost like they test out new shows. You can sit and you watch them and you give your opinion. And there's a store where they carry merchandise, you know, from some of the, the you know, more popular shows of the, you know, that are currently running. And I had never heard of it at the time. At the time, I had I had never been to Las Vegas. Um, but I guess what they were doing was getting footage of. CBS, you know, personalities and stars to use um, either as promos for that or maybe as part of some, you know, introductory reel they showed you when you sat down. And that April, mid-April show, the second one I had ever been to, he happened to be recording that. And so they finished the taping of the regular show and his, I don't know if it was the stage manager or if it was Michael or whomever had said they were going to do this. And I believe they did you know, two or three that must have been, I don't think he winged it initially. There were two or three pre-written things, hey, say this to promote such and such. And he did, you know, like so two, three, four of them, whatever it was. And then he says, wait, 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 hold on a minute. And he turns around, so his back is to the audience. And when he turns around, his hair's mussed up. His tie's undone. His pants are unbuckled. And he says, yeah, exactly. That's how you get people to show up for your taping. (laughs) And he looks at the camera and says, welcome to Las Vegas. This is you in an hour. (laughs) Well, I don't remember what the time frame was, but that was the gist of it was, welcome to, this is you now. And so I don't know if that was ultimately used. He was probably having fun with it. Um, But the capper was (laughs) when they cut or did whatever. He stands there and he says, and that wasn't easy either because I was holding my pants up with my cock. (laughs) (laughs) And that that may have sealed the deal for me. I don't know if I had seen enough of his naughty stuff in in the however many shows I had seen by that point. But I kind of thought, ooh, he's he's badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, he at that point he hadn't done had he done his first stand-up special for Comedy Central or no? We Bit of Revolution was two thousand eight because I know it was part. Oh, of okay, so it happened out. So, okay, yeah. so there was something. Okay, there there was something out there, but you you might not have seen it otherwise. Yeah, that's the fun thing about seeing the show because anybody who's tuned in, they know from having watched it how much gets edited out how much cursing they have to put the flags over because they're so he he literally is just going with it and it's one of those things that you think wow honestly how is he getting away with this because normally the i mean obviously they're turning in a censored product it's not as if they're they're broadcasting it as it's recorded because that would be no that would never fly but man it would be it's it, that's one of the fun things about being there is you honestly get to see such an uncensored show and like you said the things that don't get used 
that's one of the it's one of the great things to be there because you're kind of in that moment where it's wow this is this is never going to happen again and unfortunately when you see something got cut it's oh man that's a bummer that 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 I'd have to say is the only downside to having gone to the live shows but it's a great thing too <laughs> because you get to see something nobody else has seen and nobody well, will ever yeah, see again good point so yes. <laughs> that's that's the special thing about going to see a taping of of anything but with his show a lot of stuff got cut sometimes for time uh, sometimes for content, content for yeah, sure well, yes think about it yeah. <laughs> So fast forward a bit, uh, you were, I, I don't remember, just to kind of bring my story into it, because around this time was when, the first thing I can remember thinking about, uh, thinking, this is funny, I need to see more of this, was probably, I guess it was Thanksgiving 2010? 10, yes. Yeah, I'd seen a bit, I think maybe you were, vis- it must have been when you were at home, or maybe you'd you told me about her mom and dad had said something about it, because I knew they, they'd gone to see the show and they had a lot of fun with it. And I hadn't been tuning in regularly. I, of course, knew who he was, but I wasn't really watching anybody's talk show on a regular basis. I, I normally don't tune in, to be honest with you, unless I'm interested in the guest. But I saw a segment he did with Paula Dean from Thanksgiving in 2010, yes. which was hysterical and where he's just, especially because cooking segments can be very rudimentary when you watch them on a lot of shows, unless the host is interesting, unless the, the cook is interesting and... You know, despite well, and most let's be honest, most uh, cooking chefs and what have you, uh, the cooking segments segments are generally on daytime television as well. So it's, it is going to be pretty tame. Well, it helps too <laughs> when you, when you have somebody like Paula Dean, who being on the Food Network, you actually need to have a host Presence. kind of sense about it. Yeah, you yes. need to have <laughs> a, a little bit. Hey, look at me! You need to have a little bit of um, yeah, like a presence. So she actually is, is someone who we could bounce off of right, because they essentially exactly. have the same job rolled, in a different capacity. And also rolled with the, the, the you know, sexual uh, Yeah, roll with the innuendo, and, yeah, uh, innuendo. Yeah, which was perfect. And I just, <clears throat> I think that was the first thing, that's the first thing I could think of that stood out to me where I thought, wow, this is funny. I need to see some more of this. And uh, that was easily, it, it must have been sometime in 2011 because when I came out here, in August of 2011 with Ryan and Jack, we knew we wanted to see the show. And I think, did we do, well, it doesn't matter how many submissions we did, but we got tickets for the four of us to go see the show. Oh, we just picked, I don't even remember if we picked a particular guest. I think we worked around, you know, other things you wanted to see and do while you were here. Yeah. We picked a day that was open, said, okay, we're right, going to Let's go on this day, this day because it was going to be fun. I mean, we had no doubt it was going to be fun anyway because we all knew who he was. We'd all seen the show at, at different points but this was going to be fun actually going and experiencing this together and i'd never been to see a talk show so it was going to be different for me to to go see this uh, and i was looking forward to it anyway because at, at that point i was i was uh very much turned on by craig not in the same way as you but you know what i mean <laughs> everybody knows what i mean i don't need to and i it. had been to six at that, at that point. point yes wow. so, so that's, when, that's when we all bad. went together that was my seventh show over the span um, of, uh, and i believe year. that was chai mcbride and ariel were yeah the guests, ariel tweedo yeah who's been a recurring guest many many times that that show the one we saw it, <laughs> it has i think some some legendary status and then that was the show where craig mentioned he saw wilford brimley at the salad bar turned out to not be wilford brimley but spawned a joke that lasted for months <laughs> About Wilford Brimley and uh, Jeff impersonating him. And well, saying, was that diabetes the first time? Yeah, I was just going to say, wasn't that the first time the whole diabetes thing yes, started? Yes, <laughs> And then fast forward in November, Wilford Brimley came on the show and it was hysterical. But it was, there was a whole, it became a running gag on the show. So it actually started on the episode we saw. Right. Which was 
which was so hysterical. And actually, after that, because Chai McBride referred to, um, I don't know anybody's name. I don't know any of their names. The t- I think Chloe Kardashian. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. I don't know. Their, I, I don't. I, I, I know I, who Kim is. I don't know who the other. T- and I'm serious. I'm not saying that's beast. Not. I don't remember which one. Is I, which. I'm pretty sure it was Chloe. He compared okay. her to Frankenberry. Yes, and that became. And they run- put that, a side by side picture yes, at some point. And I that believe. was that has been a joke <laughs> with us ever since. And we, you know what's funny? We've been since we started doing. At that point, we've been doing the only podcast that matters for a year, and for because we, it was just a uh, a cultural reference point. We'd been saying diabetes and diabetes for such a long time when. <laughs> When they said, when Craig said it on the show, the three of us were just in hysterics in in the bleachers watching the show, just thinking, this is great. This is something that we always talk about, something we joke about, and it happens to come up on the show when we're here. How serendipitous. So we we really had a blast. I mean, it was, it was a funny show anyway, and seeing, you know, the, the cursing, seeing an uncensored performance, like, would never be seen during broadcast is, it, it was great. And after that, I think, that was really what made me start watching regularly or um, I'd usually check out the cold open monologue at minimum because I was I was just entertained by Craig and the fact that he gets out there and actually wings it like I don't know that he says it but for those of you who haven't seen the show which is a lot and uh, I know there are a lot, certainly a lot of international listeners hopefully to this and uh, viewers who have tuned into the show but he literally is, goes right up to the camera he has a few bullet points that he probably doesn't pay attention to and he just talks it's not planned out and it's amazing to me because i've worked on a handful of talk shows in one capacity or another behind the scenes and everything is very very much planned um a lot i'm not going to say it's because a lot of hosts like it that way i think they're used to it i think it's it's what they like about the format and certainly craig's not like any other host but truthfully Everything is more planned. The jokes are planned out and uh, everything's kind of gone over. The typical thing is everybody goes over like a monologue, let's say, in the writer's room or, or um, the writing staff will pitch jokes and say, oh, we talk about this tonight or we can write a bit about this. But it's literally Craig goes out there with bullet points and then just does five minutes, essentially, which is the incredible thing to have somebody go out there who can just wing it, which is one. I mean, frankly, that's what I try to do a lot of the times on this show and uh, on other podcasts is just. Something comes up and there's never a written like, okay, you say this and then I'm going to say this. So it's it's one of those things that I admire about him because it's something I like to do myself is just take an idea and just run with it. And uh, it's something that as much as he says, oh, there's no plan or I don't know what I'm doing or it's not like any other show. It truly isn't like any other show because he really just goes out there and makes it something unique in that he's he's coming up with the majority off the top of his head and to be able to bounce off Josh. I mean, at that point... Jeff had been introduced, and Josh Robert Thompson was voicing Jeff on a nightly basis, which had been going on August 2011. How long did it? It was still pretty Jeff new. Jeff was introduced April 2010. And when did when did Josh start doing the voice regularly? Oh, when did when did Josh start? Oh, like when was he there live? Gosh. He would pre-record bits. He yeah, and they, they, and Craig there was someone who would control voicing, them on an iPad. Craig voicing Jeff did not last long. I know it. It was awful. Point, <laughs> it was so awful. And, well, yeah, it was very robotic. Somebody it, I read recently said it was very Dalek esque. Yeah, um, a la Doctor Who. You know Who. the delivery. Um, it sounded know, limit, like every other robot. Limited. Well, true. You it know, sounded limited like a, vocabulary. A stereotypical robot um, voice of Craig. Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and it, I it just didn't have that flavor that. Don't that Josh know. Brought to I it. I remember on the old stage, 
I was on the Jeff side, so to speak, in the audience uh, for a taping, and I was against the wall. And when I say wall, it didn't come up, you know, to the ceiling. It was up to, and I'm not extremely tall, so it was, you know, may, may have been higher to me than to somebody else in a seated position. Yeah, it goes, but, it goes part way up the bleachers, so you can't see and, what's what's directly right, next. But to you. if you sat up a little bit. You Which I have see. on occasion. And there was a gentleman, yes, who was controlling, uh, you know, there were preset lines recorded on an iPad. And there was a guy, I don't think Jeff was terribly mobile at this point either. I don't remember if his arms moved, in, you know, if that was something that um, that he was capable of from day one <laughs> or if that kind of came later. Because, of course, as time went on, Josh became the controller of him as well as the voice. Yeah, Jeff became more of a puppet, whereas right. I think he just, all he, he did with the pre-programmed stuff, I think was it was a, just head turns and he would lift his one arm and that was kind that's of That's true, it. yeah, he only had one arm. So it, there really while. wasn't the full range of motion that it came to have. But that's also right. because Josh literally brought that to life. But he'd only been doing it where he was alive in the studio for a few months at that point when we first I, saw the show, right? Was was he doing it by then? Yeah, he was because he's... Did, you, did he yell at you about oh, diabetes? Oh, right, yes, yes. Like he course. does in those yes, commercials. Yes. So there was a period... Yeah, because there was the, the... There were the... if You know, people who've been watching since then remember there was... Jo- when Josh took over, there were, you know, the couple canned lines. There was balls and in your pants and shut the front door and things of that nature and... Oh, he would record the extent- them in advance. That was the extent of it, and they were just, you know, pre-done, and mm. somebody pushed the appropriate button when, you know, Craig said something. <laughs> you and know what? Then... That, was, that was a big sell for me on Jeff, just to, just to get on a tangent for a second, it was because in that Paula Dean clip that I saw around Thanksgiving, I guess Josh had come in to record specific things for specific guests, which I believe he said he had to do on occasion. Usually just bulk record. I think he said uh, once a week or something he'd go in and, and do a bunch of things, but because Paula Dean was on one of the things they had him say, ooh, butter, butter, butter. butter, butter. butter. Yes. And I remember Craig, <laughs> Craig is just saying, it's all right. Like Paula heard that kind of turn around. And kind of turned and, around. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so awesome. Just hearing that, just the fact that that was really, that kind of gave you the idea of Jeff. Like Jeff's there to be a nuisance and then ended up turning into a full-blown sidekick. And yeah, by the time we saw the show, he was. And that's where the show, as it became... And frankly, I, th- I don't I don't know the man too well, but I think Craig would agree that's where the show kind of got its footing, where it became more of what it's been for these last few years, because now he had someone to bounce off of, and it. I think that the way the two of them go back and forth is very, very much like any any duo, the way anybody would bounce off each other, any comedy team would, because they could just go back and forth, and I think with Jeff firing back something funny would just encourage Craig and make him push even more and be even funnier because of it, as opposed to just standing there and just, you know, waiting for and in your pants to be spouted out. I think it definitely made Craig better. Well, yeah, he became, you know, in, in mocking the idea of a sidekick, he became a genuine sidekick mm-hmm. and, and an excellent one. But he still very you much know, took the air could, out of the whole sidekick thing by being a robot skeleton who's gay. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many things. How to price his right name tag? I mean, come on. There's yeah. so many things about it that were so beats. great. Yeah, it's through beats. It's and... awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and and would always have a book on there as well. Would always have yes. a book on the podium. Well, that came in later, I think, because he got a new podium at a point. I don't think. I think the book thing started at some point on the on the new stage. Um, and I don't remember a timetable, but 
Yeah, initially it was the the pre-recorded ones. Then they they would do sort of like maybe once a week. Josh was literally there for a show when they'd have the live banter back and forth. And I one of the things I remember specifically was one night I I don't know if it was during a monologue or during an email segment. Craig, you know, made some comment to Jeff, and it was very obviously one of the canned responses, and he. <laughs> commented oh i see we've got low budget jeff tonight (laughs) 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 or we're back to low budget jeff tonight Mm -hmm. and then yeah it just took off i I don't know when the turning point was but he always he always references references it as when they went to vegas and jeff and craig got married he was saying that when they went he always says when they went on the road and did that that was when they decided to make him in the studio a regular thing Mm -hmm. yeah well that's Um, because they actually were were there because chances are when Josh came in to record his bits, Craig wasn't around. Or at least no, Craig we, wasn't directly involved. We saw a video once. I don't remember if it was on Josh's YouTube channel, but we saw years ago him coming in to record Jeff Oh, lines. I do remember this. I think it was his YouTube I don't YouTube remember channel. what the lines were, yeah. but I remember we watched it. <clears throat> we did, yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of hands-off. So to put them together, like, like any group, I mean, in the same way, like I, I will compare once again to like my experience with the guys that... In the only podcast that matters. Once you get people together, you could bounce off each other. Then there's a certain energy about that. The way you do when you you talk to anybody and you you get into some kind of flow, and you could just you you feed off that. Yeah, I'm sure once they were together and they were they had this. I don't want to say free reign, but they did a hell of a lot of stuff during that Vegas day. They did a lot of really funny stuff, and I'm sure once they were together and they were kind of just even whether they were spitballing ideas. Or one person would say something, the other person would build on it, and it would just grow from there. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that's probably what did it because you get those two guys together, and it's. I mean, look, the, the shows themselves are evidence of how well they can bounce off each other. So I can imagine if that was the first time they really had some kind of uh, substantial time together and were able to bounce off each other, then I absolutely believe that was probably what what started everything. So pretty much at this point now, everybody's watching the show. At least everyone in. Certainly in my world, you're watching on a nightly basis. I'm watching it regularly. Our parents are watching it regularly. My friends are watching it regularly. And uh, 2012, he gets a new stage. And uh, so you were at that show. And then shortly after, I moved back out here. And then we start going to shows pretty regularly. Or at least when anyone cool was on, it was like, let's go see Craig. Okay. And we got to see the first one I went to see on the new stage was, who was it? James. James Spader. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we went and saw him. And, he was uh, plugging the office or Lincoln? Uh, I think he was plugging Lincoln. Lincoln, because I saw it in early thirteen. Yes. yes. So he. That's yeah. Because oh, that's right. They they showed a clip. Now that I think of it, yeah, they did when they're sitting in a, a restaurant. I think. And I think he made an Oscar comment to him as well. He so. did. Yeah. I did. Okay. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. It was. He was. He was plugging right. Lincoln at the time. The and office then, um, was the last time he was on on the old stage. Oh, okay. And then yeah, Betty White was on, and. Uh, just a bunch of people from there. Just anytime we saw someone cool was going to be on, we would go. We got to see shows Morgan Freeman, Sandra Bullock, Ricky Gervais, uh, which was just earlier in this year. We saw the first time he was on. He was on twice, but we caught the first one. Uh, Dennis Leary. Thankfully, got to see Robin Williams' last appearance uh, just just over a year ago, wasn't it? October. It was October, yeah, 2013. And um, we'd gone, and actually, for some reason, we didn't know until the show was over what happened because we'd reserved uh, tickets for the show he was supposed to be on, and then there was some kind of conflict. He didn't make it. 
uh, Ben Stein was there instead, and then we got uh, priority uh, ticketing for when Robin did come back on the show. And I'm, I'm thankful we did because that's the only time we saw him live. So thankfully, you know, we got to see that last year, and uh, once again, be in the room with him. But man, the uh, th- everything about it. See, here's the thing from going to see that show. Here's the the feel you get. The majority of the people who are in the audience want to be there. They're not. He jokes. He's joked about it endlessly, as far as well-trained hobos and all the all the other references to the audience. The people that didn't get into the prices right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he drops all those all those um, comments as a as a, as a, a jab to him. I think to knock himself down a peg. Not the show so much, and certainly not the audience. But truthfully, the people who show up, at least people we've interacted with. They genuinely want to be there, and they're excited to be there, and they've been watching the show. And with Los Angeles being a very touristy place, people come here to see things like that. They want to see shows being taped. And, yeah, I'm sure everybody wants to go to The Price is Right and win a car, but not everybody's going to get into The Price is Right and drive home in a brand-new Camry. Sometimes they're going to get tickets to The Tonight Show or Two and a Half Men or The Late Late Show. But most of the time... People are there because they, they truthfully want to see the show. And because the, the fan base is so fanatical, a lot of times they come from distances. I mean, the, where was the, the girl you went um, sometime last year? Where did she come from? I mean, she was out here doing kind of a U.S. thing. She went to, I think, Vegas uh, and she was here There was here a girl a from Spain once that was here. I think it was her last day in L.A. or in the U.S. I don't remember which. And she was so thrilled that she got, this was maybe a year and a half ago, possibly more, um, yeah, there was a girl in April. She was here from uh, South Africa. She'd been in Ohio uh, working or interning or something, and she saw New York, and she was down in Miami, and she uh, was here, and then was headed to, I think, San Francisco and Vegas from here, but she had come. She learned about him from watching him online. Yeah, the and power of YouTube. <laughs> to, yeah, and I don't remember how long she said she'd been watching him, but... She was thrilled to get in. She had actually tried to get into an earlier show that week. Um, but I don't know if she was standby or what the situation was. But we were in line together. We ended up sitting next to each other. We were, went and had coffee afterwards. And it's staggering to see even in you know the emails that come through and, and comments online and people on Twitter or Tumblr or what have you, probably Facebook as well, Uh, There are people all over the place that watch him. I mean, there's people in Japan. There's people in Russia. It goes out in Australia, so there's people down there. I mean, he's gotten emails from everywhere. Yeah, there there really is this international appeal. And I think part of it is because he's not a he's not the quintessential American. He's not the (laughs) he's not the uh, stereotypical middle aged white American host who has dreamed of doing this since he was a little boy. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with aspiring to do that because there are plenty who are great at it. I mean, for my money, Dave's the best who's ever been a late night host, but Craig's my favorite. I do make the distinction between those two. But uh, people do aspire to do that, and as Craig has made very clear, he never aspired to do it. He wanted to do the show that he did. But I I think that's part of the appeal is that here's somebody who is bringing in a different perspective and is doing a show that you really won't see anywhere else. I mean, as huge as Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert and all these other hosts are with different talk shows, there really isn't a show on American television that's really like that. Not not a U.S. based show. I know a lot of people watch Graham Norton, but that's airs on BBC America, and it's it's filmed for the BBC. So the show is indigenous 
to the UK, whereas here it's an American show hosted by a man who started off in Scotland and through the course of hosting the show became an American. So there really is something unique about that where he's bringing his own spin to things, not just through his sense of humor and through his creativity, but he really is bringing something that the other hosts don't have. And that's in that he's doing the show to do the show. He's not doing it to be a host. And it also led him to get back into doing stand-up too, which is great because, hey, we all benefit from that. We've got a couple of stand-up specials out of the last few years. And there's probably going to be another one coming soon, especially now. <laughs> Timing-wise, I think it's going to work out. Mm. But the the worldwide heartbreak in April when he announced he was going to be leaving the show, which... You know, I, I made a, a remark about it uh, in the last show I did back in, in spring uh, where I talked a bit about Craig. It's funny, the, the note I kind of uh, started hiatus with and the note I'm returning with uh, concerns Craig. But it's unfortunately one of those things that, that is an effect of the time we live in where you couldn't tune in that night and find out because as soon as the show let out, I'm sure people who were in the audience took to social media to say, Craig announced he's leaving the Late Late Show. Like, I got a message from Corey about it saying did you hear craig's quitting or or leaving uh, the late late show and i thought what and then i realized wait a minute the show finishes taping at like 6 p.m so this this must have gone out online right around the time the audience went out because obviously you don't you you don't have your phone on you during the the taping so when people got out they probably thought oh my gosh craig is leaving i can't believe it since most of the people who were there to see the show are actively engaged in watching the show and are, are invested in the show I'm sure they they spouted their heartbreak, as so many of us do online when when we hear some disappointing news. And unfortunately, that's how word got out. It wasn't on the terms of and and same thing with Dave, you know, after the show was taped that he announced he was leaving uh, that evening. Everybody hears about it before a broadcast because it's just news travels in the in, in real time now. It's not something that's that's done. It's like tune in to hear exactly what the. What's like tune in to hear what Craig has to say about it, but you're going to hear about it beforehand uh, as opposed to uh, tune in tonight for a very special announcement or, or whatever. So unfortunately, that doesn't happen anymore. But there was a huge, huge outpouring online. I mean, you're fairly active in the fan community in that you follow a lot of fan pages and a lot of different uh, fan activity and, and discussions about the show because there really is that that reach that he has, uh, particularly in the U.K., I think where where people follow. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know how how much you've engaged with people who are in other other countries. You know, as far as that that so worldwide audience. Obviously, a f- fair amount of them are in the U.S., but there's definitely a significant amount that are uh, you know in Europe and elsewhere. I, I most people I don't know specifically where they are. Um, there are quite a few in Scotland, in England, etc. And say, oh, isn't it kind of funny that that's not even aired here <laughs> yeah that is kind of weird i'm surprised especially because it aired in australia you would think here's somebody who who has an audience in the uk you would think it would be aired there but mm, for some reason it wasn't but thankfully as i said hey bless the internet and youtube for people being able to see this through uh ill-gotten means but nonetheless they get to watch the show and they get to keep current with it but uh i was i was really surprised i know you were upset about it well frankly i was upset i gotta admit i was just thinking huh because we always think stuff's gonna keep going on and on and we don't consider i mean geez i've never spent 10 years at a job so i can't exactly yeah yeah i I can't i can't say like oh how can he do that because he has had enough and he recognized that he's had enough 
and uh, stuck it out for another two years, which is where the bigger stage came from in part, according to him. I get it. I, I honestly do understand. If he, if he felt he's gone as far as he could with it, then you can't really blame him for leaving, especially going out on his own terms, which is how everybody wants to leave a job, honestly. You want to do it when, when you're done, and you don't just want to just slowly. You, you don't want to burn out and then have everybody say, wow, the show used to be good, but now it's taken a turn. Now the show sucks and I'm not watching anymore because he clearly isn't even trying. It's great that he, he recognized that it wasn't what he wanted it to be anymore and he decided to leave when he felt it was time. And in light of that, there are so many people who live around the world who said, I, I would love to go. I would love there's no way I can get to the U.S. and see the show by the end of the year. And uh, there was a lot of there, there was a lot of sadness associated with it because people thought, oh, man, I'm not going to get to see the show. I'm sure countless people would have loved to have seen the show for themselves and been in that studio with them. But uh, unfortunately, they knew I'm not going to be able to make it to the U.S. by the end of 2014. So they, they didn't always make it. But let's give them a little glimpse in exactly what it was like. You, like every show, like everything you do, you have to line up. And uh, there's priority seating, and then there's what general schlub seating, I guess, is the rest of it. Well, it's not seating. It's just it, priority was determined by you know X number of people that were the first to confirm their tickets it really has not on the ticket it says priority refers to admission not seating but ultimately if you're priority you're towards the front of the line and therefore you're going to have a relatively decent seat right you'll because be because you're front. you know they're going to load you as you come thing. in yeah they're going to load you in the so, order you're lined up but uh what's the next level priority in general that? general the two level two ticket types i guess you could say yeah and then standby which speaks for itself of course and uh, you line up usually, it, I mean, they, they would have you, the, I think the absolute latest time you could arrive was, what, 30 minutes or so before they started letting people into. 30 minutes before check-in. Yeah, I before believe. they check people in on the, the CBS lot, uh, CBS Television City. And uh, you'd go in, everybody would be set up on, on benches, you could shop for souvenirs, there's a little gift shop <laughs> set up there. And uh, they'd wait for everybody to check in. And then Ryan, the, uh, what did you say, the, the head page? Well, he's not down. a page. He works. He, he works with one iota. Oh, okay. Okay. He, he works for the company who does tickets over the course of time that I went there. Right. He's essentially the hype man and the one who's telling you what's going on. He comes down. He says, "Everybody, kind of, welcome kind of the to the show." Pre warm up guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He tells you, "All right, we're going to go upstairs. If you need the elevator, please let one of the pages in the red jackets know." No, oh, I can recite and, his. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As I can see you. Do you can want too. to? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want. To. You know, Never don't mind. don't don't yell out. Don't, you know, just general rules, please. You know, yeah, be don't enthusiastic. You will be removed. Please laugh at the jokes, even if you don't hear them. This is TV, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, it, look, it's a small, it's 100 and something people. So, of course, you need to laugh because that laughter needs to penetrate the audience. But it's it's easy, though, because the show is legitimately funny. It's not as if they need to pull you pull laughs out of you because the show is just that entertaining. And for a long time, for every single show I went to until somewhat recently, uh, the warm up guy was a comedian named Chunky B. I'm sure people have heard about who would tell a lot of set up punchline kind of jokes. You know, how do you get a fat chick into bed? Piece of cake. Jokes like that, which are just like set them up, knock them down. That's it. And he would kind of do a few things before everybody went into the studio. And you'd go in, you'd head upstairs into the studio itself. They'd move you in, get everybody seated. And uh, yes, the warm up would continue. You'd get uh, a few more jokes out of Chunky, you'd interact with the audience a little bit. And uh, while you're walking in, they would actually play musical performances from the show. So it would be uh, OK Go playing Here We Go Again. And uh, Akon did a song. 
Katie Tunstall did Suddenly I See. So there would be kind of a collection of performances, just music playing when you walked in to kind of set the, well, set that, the stage, it, literally set the stage. Across the board, I mean, I've, I've the very first taping I ever went to was Carson Daly when he was still in New York. And that was in February 2005. And I believe as you were seated in that show, there were musical performances on the screen. Uh, the Tonight Show, same thing. They show musical performances from the show from, you know, different times, different years. Yeah, it's, it's all part um, of getting you excited so and getting it's all, you into it. Yeah, they're, they're, they all sort of do. That's not really nothing against them, but that's not really unique to that experience. Because Oh, no, they... but just to give everybody a glimpse <laughs> into, into what the... What the experience was like. And then finally, when they were getting closer to showtime, they would show what was essentially a sizzle reel and <laughs> show a bunch of highlights, which evolved as the show went on. I mean, in the in the three years I was attending the show or from uh, the, the first one up until the, the last one just last week. It uh, it evolved, and certain clips came in, certain clips went out, and there yeah, were... Yeah, they changed it for sure one time in the course of time I was going to the show. Oh, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know what kind of one they had prior to my first time, but there was one they used for a long time, and then several years ago they changed it to the one they've been using since for yeah, at which least included, a year. Yeah, footage of the week in Scotland and, <laughs> right. and all these other bits. Bit of footage from Vegas? Yes. <laughs> that that kind of kicks Vegas, off. Vegas, Scotland, Paris is on there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, there's a lie, which, which again shows kind of the evolution of the show, and it's it's like a, a literally a sizzle reel. You're seeing highlights. You're seeing some of the funniest bits, and it's all about setting up the the scene for the show itself and reminding you just how funny it is, and to get everybody excited, which doesn't take much because once again, I'm repeating it a lot, but it's absolutely true. People are there because they want to see the show. They're not getting tickets just because they're in L.A. A lot of people make a point of if they're there, they're going to get tickets, or they're making the trip because they want to see the show for themselves. Pretty much what happens after that is they do the monologue bit first they play the theme music craig comes out and uh does the monologue and then after that first commercial break then they usually do the cold opening unless they have something uh, on the shelf that they'd they'd recorded previously to uh set up something but most of the time craig does it on the fly obviously he would take people out of the audience and walk around them and say when i tap you on the shoulder please state your name and where you're from or he would do the back and forth with jeff throw the log on the fire or uh, they just do Something, some little bit at the top of the show uh, that they record after the monologue, and that's the tweets and emails. Guest one, guest two. What did we learn on the show tonight? And then uh, that's it. When did Bob start doing warm-up? Bob Oshak, one of the but comedians. The last time I remember Chunky being there was June of last year, so June 2013. Uh, the gap, let's see. And then I, the next time I was there wasn't until September, I, like I, said, I don't know when he's obviously sometime between those two shows. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think it was the last time that, that Chunky was the warm for a show that I went to. Uh, it happened to be his birthday because they, they, was it, I don't even remember. It may have been Bob. I oh, no. I, you know what? Being. I was with you at that one and because they, it was had Eddie it the prop the, guy. Uh, he pulled Eddie, a mic out yes, of his back pocket. That's right. And he said it's, it's Chunky's <laughs> And he said, birthday. Chunky, I've had enough of your abuse. <laughs> it's like, I want to tell you something right now. And they, yeah, they greeted for his birthday. That's pretty, right. I was with you at that show. That was Sandra's show, actually. Oh, was it? So that Ju- was June. I, June, yeah. June 7th, 2013. It didn't air that day. It didn't. Yeah, she it was, was her. later and, in the month. But yeah, I, I believe that because I remember thinking, oh, you know, today's his birthday. And then the following time I went, yeah, he that wasn't was the last there. time so we saw him. I don't know if he got another gig. I did see a search result come up 
or recommended video or something, and it was chunky. I can't remember if it might have even had the chunky project or something or other. And I think he was either. Ta- I don't think it was Josh. I think it might have been Bob was like his interview or his guest or mm-hmm. what have you. Uh, but yeah, so Bob's been doing it for a while. Never saw him, knew him by face, obviously, because uh, I mean, not to say that he hasn't been on TV, but um, as he reminded you at every yes. single show. <laughs> But, uh, but when he Oprah said his name, Comedy Central, and but he, when he said his name the first time, I said, "Oh, he's one of the writers," and that's exactly whether they just decided to give him double duty or I don't know what how, you know how that all all materialized. But Bob has been doing it since I would say at least mid two thousand thirteen. So gotcha, and that was, and that was fun, honestly, because he he uh, Bob would bring people out of the audience and they would kind of play bizarre games or kind of random games and people would end up winning t-shirts or, or mugs or things like that you bring up usually two people and uh they do something and bob was uh a lot more energetic and you can actually by the way if anybody uh is has any well you can get on like amazon and, and what have you you can actually see bob's oshak stand-up special from geez 10 years ago <laughs> Uh, it was a comedy central Presents special you can actually watch it and he, he is funny he was even funnier as, as the warm-up guy because uh, you know he's able to bounce off an audience and interact with people, but yeah, he he would warm up the audience, and that, and that was fun because he really engaged the audience and get them kind of active. And, and Chunky's hilarious, but uh, Bob brought something different to it, which was uh, a lot of fun, and and I enjoyed that. Oh, we should backtrack. Come to think of it, yes, let's let's go back a bit to uh, September two thousand thirteen, which I'd completely forgotten about. Uh, the short version is you. And a friend were going to Vegas, and you were going to go see Craig. And uh, unfortunately, she wasn't able to take the trip. You asked me, do you want to go? I've already booked a hotel. I have tickets to see Craig on Saturday night. Do you want to come? Friday and Saturday, actually. Okay, well, I was going to out you for that. But but you're a fan, so you were going to go see both shows. And it really, what was the name of the place again? He was in the Venetian. He was the Venetian, yes, at at the, the... The Sands showroom? Sure. It used to be the Venetian. I don't remember any anything, so I couldn't even tell. I'm lucky I remember it was the Venetian. <laughs> and only because the name's on the side of the building and all the photos. But you'd gotten to meet and greet tickets. So after the show, there was going to be a meet and greet. And uh, thankfully, you did because it ended up being my birthday was a week and a half later. It was just after your birthday. It was in that it was. short it was window. It was the 28th and 29th or something of yeah. September. So it was that, that pretty much one week dead center in between our birthdays. Which was really cool because we thought, oh, we're going to meet him. Now, you'd met him before. You'd seen him at a Paley Center event. Yes. Uh, the May 2012. 2012, I saw yeah. Him. Yeah, so you were able to meet him after that. And I hadn't met him. And I was really, really excited, too, because uh, we got to see the show, which was hilarious. And it was brand new because it's it's the Hot and Grumpy Tour, which is the, the tour he's on now, or at least we'll be kicking off, uh, I guess, next month. He's doing a lot of dates in February and March. And uh, it'll chances are it's... Mostly the same show we saw because I could see him working a small room like that because it was geez, maybe 100 people. It was a small audience. It was a really small room, which was great because we were in like the second row. Yeah. So we were pretty much looking at the guy's knees if we looked straight ahead. I mean, we were, we were pretty close. And uh, anyway, afterwards, there was the meet and greet. There were maybe 20 people, I think. So the first uh, two rows in yeah. the center section is yeah. the meet and, and greet and seats. And the way they lined it up, was uh, you and I were going to be the first two people. 
So I said, well, I'll go first because I know you're, you're a bit nervous because you're, you're a huge fan. Not, not that I'm not, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable meeting people and I'm calm. And you, you seemed a little bit nervous. So I said, well, I'll go first. And he came out and he was taking photos you could see on his way out with, I guess, the, uh, the crew who worked at the theater. And uh, then he comes out. He kind of gets set up with a Sharpie. And then to get things started, he uh, looks up, puts out his hand and says, hey, man. And then I walk over, shake his hand. He signs my CD for I'm Here to Help. And uh, we take a photo where I wanted to. Now, I, I tweeted this out, which is probably the only photo of me I've ever put on my Twitter, at least as of now, because it was that cool. Um, I had asked him to do an awkward pause for the photo. And I said, uh, I'm going to smell my finger. So I put my index finger up under my nose like I was smelling it. You know, give it a one Mississippi after I did that. He did it, too. So the photo is he and I smelling our index fingers. I, I love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite photos of me because I'm there with you know, Craig Ferguson. Of course, I love the photo. And uh, then you got one afterwards as well where he did end up doing the same thing in your photo, which was hilarious. Just just super cool, really friendly. And that was oh, that was actually right before we were supposed to see Robin. Uh, Robin was, gonna was be supposed on to be on week. that week. And that was when he ended up uh, not being there. That's so when we saw Ben Stein instead. Because uh, I actually mentioned, oh, we'll see you this week. We're going to be at the show with Robin. That was great. So that was the first time I, I met him. And uh, we, we bumped into him two more times. We saw him in Anaheim back a few months ago. And uh, happened to catch him walking out because he was <laughs> where they're coming out. There were people grouped uh, uh, together by the back of the venue. And that happened to be where we were parked. And we saw he was coming out and, and chatting with everybody. So, well, or at least he was signing things. He was taking photos. And uh, you got another photo with him. And I, I shook his hand and, and said the show was great, of course, because it was. And uh, my first time at the Anaheim Grove as well, seeing a show, which is really cool. And then we saw him last week at the uh, Bidding Adieu event at the Paley Center, which was was great. Now, hopefully, because the previous appearances at the Paley Center are available, I know you can get them through Amazon. I'm sure they have an arrangement because I think it's the only place you can find them. Uh, you can watch them on demand, and you can also get a, a DVD. So I'm sure in a few months this one will be available too. I can't imagine a scenario where somehow it's not going to be available because I'm pretty sure all the Paley Center events become available. And uh, that panel last week was moderated by Jim Rash, the, the little one-on-one -on -one discussion they had. It was awesome. It was a bit more, it had a bit of a serious tone to it because Jim was asking a lot of great questions and Craig was really reflecting on the show and thinking back to, especially because they were showing clips, certain highlights from, um, what was it? It was a trip to, they showed a clip with him and Kristen Bell in France. in France. And then the quote unquote lost doctor who that was it yeah which ended up leaking online it was a well something of a dress rehearsal or just a rehearsal for uh, a doctor who themed episode was the whole episode doctor who yes when matt, matt smith, smith was, smith on was the show. On, yes okay <clears throat> and of course as with all those events they took some questions from the audience afterwards and there was there's been a lot of um certainly speculation what are you going to do now he's hosting celebrity name game which we also got to see a taping of because once again we're in the neighborhood so might as well and uh, I've, I've seen the show a few times on TV as well. And that's a lot of fun. It's a different format, but you can tell he still has fun with it. Once again, improvises his way through. He's reading things off cards, and then he needs to come up with hints and, and what have you off the top of his head, which is amazing. But uh, anyway, the Paley Center, afterwards, he hung out, got to take pictures with some people. Uh, once again, you got another photo with him. I didn't get a photo with him because some biatch cut in front of me. 
Uh, I was able to shake his hand, and literally while I'm letting go of his hand, here comes this woman to cut in, puts her arm around him, and then it's her husband or whatever guy she was with takes a picture with him. So I didn't get a picture, but I did get to, you know shake his hand and and say a few words to him before that that woman came along and blew my spot up. That was pretty upsetting. No, it's okay though because it's nothing's going to top that photo I took <laughs> with him in Vegas, and uh, thankfully. We got to go to the last show, which, uh, of course, with the the most loyal, most loyal show enhancers got priority to the show. And so you received an alert saying, hey, you can submit for tickets to the show because you've attended a lot of shows. Tell us why you'd be great. And uh, thankfully, you were approved for tickets. So it was a big deal. Like, we're going to the last show. This is great. There's only going to be 140 people who are going to be there. It felt like every other time we'd been, I mean, we, we were chatting with a, a lovely couple who was behind us in line who they came from um, way, way further. I mean, just to put it in perspective, they the CBS Television City is in Los Angeles. We're in Burbank, which Seven is Seven miles. I've yeah, it. it's not far <laughs> at all. So for us to go to the show isn't we probably take it for granted because we are so close and because generally tickets are available depending on uh, who the guest was. Certainly uh, people request tickets for other uh, more high profile or more popular guests who are going to be on the show but most of the time you can get tickets to it so i mean they, they came from they're from california but they came from further than we did chatsworth or claremont or something with a c yeah I think. I yeah yes so they were they were a little further away than us but uh they'd been to see the show quite a few times and actually the 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 man we were talking to had been to see a taping of uh, one of the live Drew Carey shows that mm. they did when they were broadcasting uh, this, a handful of episodes that they did live. So uh, he'd been following Craig for a little while and uh, we were kind of uh, commiserating about the show and the end of the show and how much we loved it and talking about who we'd seen on the Late Late Show, what guests we were in attendance for. And uh, interestingly enough, when you'd gotten the tickets, it was for Friday the 19th. And then due to a, they, they shifted the schedule at some point and they were filming the last two shows on Thursday the 18th. So uh, it was going to, the first show was Jim Parsons and then the second show that was taped, which was the last one, was Jay Leno. So we knew we were going to go see the show. I mean, I, I didn't care who was going to be on anyway. I just wanted to see the show one more time, which is a drag because I hadn't been, geez, in a while. I don't remember I how many I think the last one been. you went to was February. We saw Gary Oldman. Oh yeah, sure that's right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I just hadn't been even since April. I'm surprised they didn't. But I mean, it wasn't. You know, I've been to see a bunch of them. I probably what twelve. You know how many? I've oh been no, to see. I'm wrong. It wasn't Gary Oldman. We saw Ricky on March twelfth. Oh okay. But uh, having been there so many times, it just felt normal, except for the whole thing about saying, "Oh, could you believe it's the last one? I can't believe it." And seeing the billboard made it all real, which uh, is, is spread around social media. There was a billboard from CBS saying. Thank you for 10 years. Truly not like any other late night show or something of that effect. And uh, that kind of made it feel real. But seeing it, especially knowing it was going to be airing for two more nights, it wasn't really like, well, this is it. it. It didn't really feel like that, at least to me. Once again, Ryan comes out once we, we go through the whole process of checking in and he says, all right, let's just get to it. Everybody goes upstairs and loads in. And uh, th since they were shooting two shows things moved along a lot more quickly than they usually did bob had a few minutes up front to tell us what was going on and saying oh this is it give craig all the all the applause and all the all the love you want because this is it and he said we have something special that uh, we're doing craig recorded a cold opening 
for the the final show. So we're going to show that to you guys right now. The film starts rolling. The monitors come on with the the montage of celebrities along with Craig and the various uh, show characters that have appeared over the last 10 years. And uh, all, of course, singing and playing along with Bang Your Drum by Dead Man Fall. And uh, then after about two minutes into that, it cuts to a live performance, which was actually recorded during the, uh, the first show they recorded that day. And it's as you've all seen, I'm sure by now, if you're listening to this, certainly you've seen it. It's uh, Craig singing the last part of the song along with the big uh, choir and Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols on guitar and all the, the people from the show coming out and, and dancing. Anyone you've ever seen on camera essentially was there. Any of the regulars were there performing. And uh, I'll admit I got a little dusty watching it because it was emotional thinking about, wow. I mean, it's I've, I've watched it so many times since, including when it was broadcast. And uh, thankfully... It was uploaded onto the the official YouTube channel for the show, and man, it, it there, there was nothing like seeing it that first time. I could just imagine what it was like for people sitting and watching the show live, or watching the show when it was being broadcast, and just reacting to it because it, I was uh, nobody knew what to expect. We were completely unprepared for it, and I, I certainly got a little bit emotional. How did you react when I you saw, saw him doing it? Th- that, that, that I opening? think was the most difficult part for me, more so than even. The, the remarks he made when he came out and and certainly I saw a lot of uh, <laughs> teary eyes around me oh yeah um, when it oh, was yeah. over so we were actually in the second row towards at the the Jeff end in the center section and so we kind of saw people in the row ahead of us because Bob was to our left so they were looking to their left and therefore I could see their faces and yeah there were people you know men women it didn't matter. Yeah, there were people that were were teary when that um, the video of the cold open or the musical number, whatever you want to call it, yeah. was was over. Yeah, I was in the first two minutes with the pre-recorded bits with everybody playing the song along with him and him, him miming to it. Everybody was miming to the actual track, uh, which everybody should needless to say uh, go by. Dead man fall, bang your drum. Uh, chances are you you bought it because it's it's rocking the the charts at least on uh, Amazon digital music. I imagine you can get it wherever wherever digital music is sold. But uh, that what a, what a great song and uh, so appropriate too. With uh, actually th- I didn't think about it at the time, but thinking on it since it makes sense because since Craig's first foray into show business, like well some of us on this show specifically, his first. Uh, foray into show business was uh, playing music and was playing drums so from starting from banging his drum literally through to this which is certainly the tentpole of his career at least at this point I'm sure that song really really part of the pun struck a chord with him where it or just it really hit home where it's like he started banging his drums and he's kept to use a a well-worn cliche marching to the beat of his own drum since and that's what made the show so memorable and that's what made it special and that's why it has such a a rabid following because he's he's always been himself craig has always done the show he's wanted to do so i really really think that that song hit home for him in a big way and what an incredible way for for it to go out and the message too of just keep banging on your drum and the world will hear you it's it's a great message and i'm sure it's exactly how he want to go out it's not not sent well sentimental enough but still, with with a little bit of uh, with a little bit of weight to it, not just pure uh, romanticizing or sentiment, uh, as you could tell from even the the ending of the show, the bit that they filmed mm-hmm. <laughs> to end the show itself. There wasn't uh, 
wasn't really any sentiment. It kind of went out on a joke and, and a few pop culture well, homages. Well, well my uh, thought that, that has kept crossing my mind um, since that night, because we, at the taping of the final show, we did not see any of that final bit. The extent of it was... The what did we learn over the past 10 years and him looking at Jeff saying, what did we learn and always let your conscience, blah, blah, blah. And then he <laughs> looks and says, do you know what we haven't learned is who's underneath secretariat. And at the taping, he looked over at him and said, oh, come on, come on, show us. And then he proceeded to walk over toward the center of the stage and it was almost like they were done. And I thought, OK, that obviously isn't the way this is going to end. And then the following day... Well, no, he, he walked over and he said, we recorded a bit already for it, so you guys ought to tune in to see it. Oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, you don't? No, I no, don't you remember were mentioning a, it. You were probably in a was... daze. He literally, from the podium, walks over and says, we recorded a bit for it already. Okay. You guys will see it tomorrow. I don't recall that. Okay. No, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, were too, you were too much of but, a tizzy. <laughs> but but the, the thing to be, just in, in what I started to say, was yeah. thinking about it over these past few days, because I've seen a couple, uh, not many, but I'm certainly not... You know, digging through every news site or every, you know, all the entertainment coverage or social media or whatever. But there's been a handful of uh, comments I've read that have said, oh, you know, it was awesome the way they ended it. But I wish he had, you know, kind of come out and said something at the end. And I thought, yeah, that would have been the typical thing to do. And that's almost what would be expected. And it wasn't as if he went out without making any comment, because that's essentially what if you can call it. A monologue, that's what the monologue was of that show, was him, you know, acknowledging the audience, acknowledging the crew and the staff and what have you. But people were saying, oh, I wish you would have come out and kind of, you know, ended off rather than ending it the way they did. But I, I just thinking about it over these past few days, I thought, really, there wasn't a reason for him to do that. Because if he was leaving and he was retiring like Dave is doing, and that was going to be the end of you know him being on television or on a, or end of him being on television on a regular basis then maybe so but th- i'm looking at it as because th- th- this is not goodbye with him this is no, just he's going to be back so there really was no reason for him to come out and say okay you know thanks everybody see ya well it's also for him to come out and do something sentimental or actually say i want to thank everybody sincerely which he kind of did in the monologue right but uh, undercut of course with jokes but if he had come out and done that, that also, in keeping with the spirit of the show, would have been the typical approach to it. And True. it's not like any other late night show. So he went his own way with right. it, which was brilliant because of all the references. Oh, absolutely. To, <laughs> the reference to, um, what is uh, Sopranos is the obvious one. The Spr- that's the one um, New Heart, the Bob Newhart yes. show and New Heart. And then, um, what's the other show? What's the uh, Saint Elsewhere? Saint Elsewhere was That's the it. Snow Globe reference. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, which which was brilliant. However, that was crafted. Like that was just so smart. I mean, it's and it's then great. just not just the, the the they they were able to use a reference to a show that didn't have one of those type of endings, but because it worked, as far as the fact that Mister Wick and Drew were married at a point on the Drew Carey show yes. and could have easily been laying there in bed together at night. <laughs> you know, so he was able to run with this previous character or characters. Yeah, um, and even a, though that show callback. didn't end with one of these, you know, surprise endings, that was a great way to make it into the, oh, this was a dream. And, oh, I just, you know. <laughs> and to tie it all together, which I did see they uploaded kind of a teaser clip saying Secretary's true identity is revealed earlier that day. Right. And based on the accent and him wearing a wig, 
with uh, hair he had similar to the show. I did call it. And I said, I bet he wakes up next to Drew. And that's what yes, ended up happening. Not that they, there was who, no prize involved, but I <laughs> No, but I I, 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 go. that hadn't occurred to me um, because the YouTube, cli- YouTube clip that went up on the Late Late Show channel on Friday cuts out right when he rolls over and says, oh, oh, oh I had a dream. And, and it from, black. from what I could see, exactly. And from what I could see, it almost looked like curlers. And so when you said Drew, I thought, okay, you know, oh my God, that makes so much sense. It probably is Drew because the logical thing would be he's still on the Drew Carey show and none of this ever happened. Um, and I thought, okay, they could have done it as a gag. Drew's got curlers in his hair, you know. But then I thought, oh, maybe it's Mimi because she always was hot for Mr. Wick anyway. <laughs> And I thought, okay, you know, maybe for whatever reason she could have been in bed with him. And, you know, in going with the, the, the you know, Shut late, up, late Nigel. show never happened. Go back and- to sleep. <laughs> that would have been really funny. But I thought, well, look, Drew works downstairs. He was an right, easy exactly. <laughs> but it was, it was even funnier because while everyone would have recognized Mimi, certainly with the, the crazy makeup and everything, which frankly, based on the show, she probably wore to bed. Uh, that would have been a, a really cool way to do it, but I wasn't surprised at the Drew thing. I thought, well, who who else? Who's who's uh, incredibly accessible and who would g- probably get the biggest laugh? I mean, actually, that might be that might be a tough call between Drew and, and Mimi. But Drew, it's it, it kind of ties it together with obviously the the association with the with the Drew Carey show. Oh, it should be mentioned by the way that uh, can't confirm or deny it. However, since we're not under contract with CBS, we can probably mention there was one small bit that was bleeped out in the last show during the Bill Cosby fly segment, which we're surprised any of the references made it in because sometimes things get cut because of legal reasons. And uh, near the end of the bit, as, as Craig's going through the flies that have been in, <laughs> that have been uh, making their way around the studio, there was suddenly the invention of a Bill Cosby fly. And right in the last section of that Bill Cosby fly bit, before Craig starts laughing... A section was bleeped out and uh, can't say for sure, but it might have been the Bill Cosby fly saying, and yes, I'm going to affect a, a Bill Cosby voice saying it. He might have said, we'll take a sip of this. Yeah, might have been a bit too edgy for TV. So uh, just saying that might have been. I, I can't say that's what I definitely heard, but I might have heard that. So all right, anyway. Let's put a nice bow on this by talking about the show. What is because I know what the show has meant to me, but you go first. What is the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson <laughs> meant to you over these last Sounds like five a, yeah, plus years? Fourth grade essay, a bit. Um, <laughs> well, this is it. It's a very public essay. It has been a nightly ritual for me, for sure. It'll be odd not having him there every night. Um, I went from I can't say that I don't remember a time. Or I can't remember a time when I wasn't watching because I do distinctly remember what it was like for me before I was watching him on a nightly basis. Um, it was very easy to get sucked in. It was very easy to get used to. Um, it was an an escape, um, an antidepressant of sorts, I have said. Even nights where I didn't think I was in the mood to laugh and didn't just flat out didn't want to laugh or had a bad day or whatever. Um, it didn't matter because something always got through and broke me and that was that. It was a good way to, to end the day. You know, it's an hour where you can laugh and wind down and, and um, you know, it was unpredictable. Always funny. I mean, it ranged from intellectual 
conversations to just flat out silliness, which I don't know how much of that is on TV elsewhere or how much of that we're even going to see in the future. I mean, when you talk about a, a range of, you know, just this, this last few weeks going on about the, the, the art debate, and then you can have, you know, the fart sound come out. You know, there's not many shows that can kind of walk both of those lines. Um, it will definitely be an adjustment to, uh, and to a point, even now, I don't think it has really set in, even though I was there and personally saw the final show. I've seen it air. I've seen clips on YouTube multiple times over the past several days. Um, he's in reruns this week and next week. Uh, maybe it won't be real until that first Monday of January when you turn on the TV and that show is on, but he's not the one standing there. Today, for those of you who are listening, uh, <laughs> who are listening on the day. Uh, I'm impatient to see what he does next. And I think that's a, he has definitely alluded to something coming down the line. And it's just going to be a matter of what and where and when. And I think it's just the the because all of us that that are upset or depressed or you know feel like they're losing something. I think that even though we know he'll be back, or it seems like it's a pretty definite thing that he's going to be back. Um, it's just the the unknown, basically. But it's the end of this show as we know it. The late late show will not. Well, that's it. I think and he's not going to do this. He's not going to do a carbon copy again. of this again. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And he this would, is how never. most of us. I won't say well because there are people that have watched him since the Drew days, or people that have watched. Well, sure. Him well, the, the majority early on, but mo- mo- most think. most of his audience, I would say, this is where they came to know him and 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 sure. love what he does and appreciate his humor and get to know him. Because to be honest, over these years, he's shared a lot with with us. You know, you think of, you know, just life events that happened over the course of time that he's been on the show. You know, he sadly lost both of his parents. He got married. He became a citizen. His younger son was born. You know, and he shared all of these life changes with his audience. And, um, you know, so we've kind of, you know, been along for the ride with him. So um, it's whether that's part of the reason why people were so attached to the show and maybe they kind of felt a connection. But this is what what we've come to know him through. You know, there's going to be an affection for this show, regardless of what... Not not saying it's the be-all, end-all, and the... Because I'm sure, you know, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. Because he's, uh, you know, as anybody can say, he he's, uh, you know, his talent is, is immeasurable. But we have a, a, a fondness and an affection for this because this is how a lot of us came to know him, Literally. If I had had an opportunity to speak to him a little last week uh, when we were able to see him briefly after the Paley Center event, what I planned to say was that he that the show has been an incredible light for me uh, over these past few years. And he you know, has made me think, he's made me laugh, he's made me cry. Uh, it's just been the whole whole range. And um, it's, it's going to be an adjustment period, but I'm extremely happy this isn't going to be the last we're going to see of him or hear from him like i said i i I think this might even be you know the tip of the iceberg and he's going to show the world that this you know that that he's more than just this as excellent as he was at what he did and what he made that show into well in conjunction with that i'd like to say that the show has meant a lot to me too Uh, even though i didn't tune in 
on a regular basis. Um, frankly, I still need to see the, with the exception of the last show, which I was there for, I need to tune in for the rest of that last week. It's on my DVR and I haven't caught up with it uh, as of this recording, but I can always count on the show for being entertaining, for being hilarious. And uh, most importantly, is something that's very near and dear to my heart is you can always count on Craig to be authentic, to be himself without being insanely personal about things, uh, at least inappropriate things. He would open up about what was what was actually going on when his father passed away the following year when his mother passed away becoming an American citizen, all of those things. He was always open about that stuff. You could always get uh, his, you, you knew what he was feeling. You knew he was being genuine. And I think that's important in, in the way that frankly, it's one of the things I like as well about podcasting is people tend to be authentic. They tend to really be themselves because they're, while there is, um, there, there isn't necessarily an audience reaction, a first person interaction with an audience like Craig has with the, the studio audience on his show there's an honesty to it, and there's a, a definite connection that you make with people when you do something that's just when you do something that's real, when it's not contrived, when there isn't an agenda, when you're not just going off a bunch of bits which you can tell are clearly staged. Craig would always speak from the heart, or he would speak off the top of his head, and uh, it's that authenticity that I really connect with because it's something I strive to do in everything I do. It's something I strive to do on, on this show particularly because this is a show that is something that is based around me, that's named after me. And with Craig's example, with seeing how he's handled the show, seeing the way he's, he's dealt with personal events in his life, like I said, it, uh, it's helped me to aspire to be more authentic and to just be better at what I'm doing when I'm doing this. I've done a number of these uh, episodes of this show on my own, and uh, on, on occasion has, have, been, have talked about some, some personal things. And... It, I've always kept it in the back of my mind and uh, front and center when it's needed to be that uh, just speak from the heart, just be true to yourself, just be authentic. And that's one of the most important things to me. And uh, I'm grateful that the show has been there for the last few years that I've been paying attention to it and that I could always check out funny bits on YouTube. And by YouTube, I mean the official CBS website. And uh, I'm also grateful for being introduced to Josh Robert Thompson, who's an incredible talent, who's Massively funny. I mean, as as a voice actor and a voiceover artist, uh, the guy's a hero. I mean, honestly, just the, the range of things he can do is, frankly, I think it's unparalleled. I don't know anybody else, not to say they don't exist, but I don't know of anybody else I can name who can do that that uh, number of impressions with such incredible accuracy. I mean, he's just so good at it. And uh, he just nails everybody dead on. And I look forward to seeing uh, what he's going to be doing next with his own show, with the book he says he's working on, according to a post he put up on his official Facebook page. You can check out his podcast, by the way, Driving Myself Crazy. You probably know that if you follow any of the, the various uh, Craig bits and pieces <laughs> or you, you follow any of the Late Late Show associated information that's out there. Uh, yeah, Josh is, is an incredible talent, so I'm glad that through this show we were introduced to him. And, and above all, honestly, Craig is just a very nice and down-to-earth guy having interacted with him three times. I can say, I mean, to say nice is so overused and sounds so generic, but he's incredibly gracious. He, he's not going to make, like, you know, you're not. he's not going to say, where are you from? I mean, at least my interactions wasn't, where are you from? What brought you to the show tonight? Why did you start watching my BS in the first place? He hasn't done that, but he's still very, he, he still makes a personal connection with you, and you can tell that he's he's genuinely paying attention to you when you're 
you're interacting with him, when you're shaking his hand, when you're taking a photo, when you're saying something to him. He's just that genuine and down to earth. And uh, that I, I have to respect somebody who has gone as far as he has in the entertainment industry and has still remained so grounded, has, has remained himself. It comes back to that, that bit about being authentic that I just said. And uh, like Carol just said, I honestly think that there's a lot more we're going to see from him. And I look forward to it because he's he's not going away forever. The Late Late Show has come to an end as we've come to know and love it. But you know what? There's going to be a lot more coming from that man. And I look forward to every single bit of it. I hope he writes another book soon, too. So to do something special, to toast Craig and to celebrate his successful 10 years of hosting The Late Late Show... Um, we thought we should have a toast to Craig. But since Craig is sober, we thought we should appropriately have a toast. Frankly, I don't drink much either, so not that I wouldn't have in his honor. But uh, even more in his honor, we decided we'd do something special. So from what we understand, the biggest soft drink in Scotland is a beverage called Earn Brew. And uh, we got hold of some. We've never tried it before. We've been saving it for tonight. So we are going to uh, raise a bottle of Urn Brew to Craig right now. So uh, you're going to get our actual reaction to this stuff because we've we've never tasted it. Uh, the great Joe Whippy said that it tastes like Scottish guilt. And we're about to find out. So uh, here goes nothing. Hope you can hear that. It smells all right. It smells a little citrusy. Let's fight. You guys are going to get the play-by-play, if you will. You ready? Hmm. Wow, it's a distinctive flavor. I can't put... That is hard to describe. I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't describe what it is. And that's the funny thing we've read is like, I don't know how to describe it. Just well, I don't know. Good. Somebody said uh, there was a chat that Joe assembled uh and um, there were several the support you know, people, group people, <laughs> kind of yes actually, yeah, that's no, what it was I, referred to it was it was and, a support group um, there were, people were popping in and out and I was on for a little while on Friday and somebody uh, who was speaking about it who tried it before said crisp and I do see that the, the other consistent description I read is that, that it kind of tastes like bubble gum, which I don't really know if I would agree with that but <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of it I just took a second sip I'm getting a little bit of that a little bit of a citrusy, little bubblegummy. Hmm. <laughs> no, I, I like it, honestly. I mean, like, I can't become too addicted to this stuff because, uh, frankly, it's it's a little expensive. <laughs> because it's, uh, it, it's made elsewhere, even though I'm pretty sure it's bottled here because it has all the, the American nutrition information and uh, the California Redemption value <laughs> note as on well it. As well as other states. And it's, uh, it's not measured using the uh, metric system on the bottle so it's the americanized version but it is the it is the authentic product so wow that is it, it is good stuff yeah this this one's for you craig bottoms up all right we're gonna finish our soda now thank you very much for listening we hope you i hope you tune in next week because next week the show goes live we begin the weekly live run every monday from Skid Row Studios, 10 p.m. Pacific time. Sorry to every other time zone, uh, although if you want to check out the show during your commute, if you're an early morning commute in the U.K., then that'll be 6 a.m., I believe. So you can absolutely tune in to the to future episodes of Chris Abal's Podcast Experiment live. And, uh, of course, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Give the show five stars. Like the show on Facebook. You can follow me at Chris Abalo. Follow the show at Cape Pod. 
both on Twitter. Carol, thank you very much for being on the show with me. I'm glad you finally opened up and sat in on a show with me. After all this time, after all my pleading and begging, you finally sat in on a show. And now you're speechless. And that's okay. Because the show is over. So thank you once again for listening. Until next time, for Carol Abalo, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. <laughs>